Well, we are in our final week of our series, Good Neighbor Project, and it's, it's been fun being able to do all the different activities and events, um, even, uh, even though we were uh, uh, banned from doing car washes, we were not banned from handing out ice cream. So yesterday we handed out ice cream, uh, some of it may have been a little bit melted, but uh, we handed out ice cream to about 150 different neighbors uh, yesterday, and that was fun. And um, I want to encourage you, even though we're ending kind of this series, the idea and the ethic of always being a good neighbor, looking out for opportunities to surprise our neighbors with acts of kindness, should be something that we continue on all throughout the year. It's uh, one of those core traits and principles that we've tried to establish our church on because we think it's a core trait and principle that Jesus commands us um, to be about. So, uh, you know, help that to be a reminder to continue to do. Do that and have your ears and eyes open to opportunities where, you know, you can you can extend just a little small act of kindness and open a door to maybe um, share the love of Jesus with people that may never uh, hear it from anyone else, may never uh, have that positive impact in your life. So keep thinking about ways that you can do that. And we have those little cards. You can take a stack of those um, and continue to think about a way that you can be that good neighbor to the people you run into. But today, you know, what I wanted to do to kind of conclude our series is to focus on a real classic, one of the classic portions of scriptures that, um, that really sums up this teaching and why it's so important for us to be good neighbors. Um, but, you know, before I get into that, I just want to want us to kind of get our minds around this classic idea. In your, in your mind, you probably have something that is classic to you. Uh, who has, what, what pops into your mind when you think of something that is a classic? Anybody? Movie? Food? Car? Whatever it may be. Uh, here, we'll just, I'll help you out. Classic movie. Anybody? What pops into your mind? Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. That's a classic movie. Um, you know, Tim, thank you for pointing that out. You know what I think about that movie? Tim? Frankly, Tim. <laughs> I have never seen that movie. So, um, so that's what I think about that movie. All right. So, uh, any, anybody else? How about classic Song. This will kind of uh, put you in an era. This is probably when you were 17 years old. What's a classic song? Anybody? What's that? Stairway to Heaven. Do you, do you want to uh, perform uh, something for us? Okay. All right. Stairway to Heaven. What is that? That would be probably, I don't know. What era? 70s? Late 70s? Early 80s? Okay, I don't know. All right, all right. Um, before my time. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, all right, how about classic car? Somebody tell me what, like, in a Mustang. Okay, all right. Do you have a year in mind or anything like that? Okay, mid-60s. My dad loved Mustangs as well, but he... Uh, he could only afford uh, Mustangs that were in the real bad era of Mustangs. So uh, he had a, some 80s Mustangs that caught on fire occasionally, and they weren't so good. Um, but anyways, all right, he likes Mustangs too, but not so classic. Uh, any, all right, let me think. Um, how about 
book. Classic book. Somebody's thinking of something. Come on. Jungle Book. That is a classic. Classic book, classic play, uh, classic movie now, all those things. Um, So the classics, if you think about there's a reason that a classic is a classic, is because it kind of invokes some kind of emotion many times in us. Sometimes some nostalgia, something that like stands the test of time. And over the years, it still invokes that same emotion. It invokes that same feeling. What we've been doing with our kids, uh, we're not so classic as Tim, but we have been, uh, you know, kind of going back. And every now and then when we're having movie night, we're like, all right, you know, I don't know about uh, like the latest Pixar movie or whatever. I'm kind of bored with that. Let's go look at the classics, okay? The classics like, this is what we watched this summer with our kids, Back to the Future. All right, that's a classic, okay? From the era that I grew up in, I remember my friend uh, when I was about, I don't know how old I was, probably about my son's age, between 10 and 13, somewhere in there. He had his birthday party, and we watched Back to the Future 2 in the movie theater, and it was the greatest movie that I'd ever seen in my entire life, okay? And so my kids needed some, you know, I really want to instill the arts in my children, so they had to watch the Back to the Future movies, you know, the arts, the real classics. But but we were, you know, we had one summer night where I was like, all right, we're watching Back to the Future, and we watched the first one, and then uh, Elisa was about to fall asleep. But, you know, the rest of us were on summer break. And so my daughter's like, there's a second one. Let's watch it. And we're like, yeah, make some popcorn. Let's do it. Second one ended. My wife is long uh, gone to bed. There's a third one. Let's watch it. So I kind of had like a, uh, a, a teen moment. And I hung out with my kids till 2 o'clock in the morning watching the Back to the Future trilogy. But... But that was a classic, and it's kind of something, in some ways, you want to share that emotion that you had or that feeling that you had when you first experienced it with your kids. And if it's a true classic, a true classic, it stands the test of time, and it's something when you come back to it, it still speaks, and it still does something. And it's, it's really important, and it's really core to, to what we're doing. And that's kind of what the Good Neighbor Project series is about, is looking at those core things. But there is this classic story that Jesus told that in my mind, you know, and this is my opinion, and it's always in the eye of the beholder with classics. But in my opinion, it's one of those moments that kind of, if you want to like sum up Jesus, this is one of those classics that kind of gives the whole spectrum of what his teaching was and how he approached things. It's a classic Jesus moment. You can think about in your own family when your family member has one of those classic moments. My daughter's classic moment is when she's sitting on a chair at dinner and falls off a chair while she's sitting and then cracks up laughing about it. That's a classic Riley moment. That's, that's, That's my daughter. I don't know. That's classic moment. A classic Tyler moment is me sitting in the car getting grumpy because everybody, because I'm ready before everybody else. And me like coming into the house saying, why aren't we ready yet? Why aren't we ready yet? We're running late. We're going to be late. And then we end up 20 minutes early to wherever we're going because I'm a little uh, on-time person. I'm a, that, I get it from my mother. Uh, but we all kind of like have these moments where like, that's a classic moment. This is a classic moment from Jesus. And it may be something that, like, 
yet you may have heard this story before, but like it's, it's really critical and it speaks over and over. And in my life, even though, yes, I've heard it before, and in some ways I don't like preaching about things that people have heard before because it feels like everything's been said that could be said about it. But the parable of the Good Samaritan is a classic. And it's a classic that, that kind of that, that speaks to what we're talking about here in a really important way. And sums up a lot of what Jesus had to say. And so as we approach it, I want you to approach it with fresh eyes, thinking about it kind of in that vein. That as you grow and as you grow in your faith, how do I like re-engage this deeper and deeper? Because this is a core classic and this should invoke the same emotion it did maybe the first time I heard it. Because it's that true and that powerful about who Jesus is. So turn with me to Luke chapter 10. It will come up on the screen, but if you're a classic, you would never read the screen, would you? Um, Classic people have pages that flip like this. It's pretty dramatic when you're preaching. It's it's not as good when you're like, come on, Tim. Tim uses his cell phone a lot when he's preaching. It's not as classic when you're just touching buttons, you know? Um, This is classic. All right. Luke chapter 10. Verse 25, and I want to, it's interesting because the story kind of has two parts, and it sets it up, um, uh, and the setup is almost as important as the parable. So it says, it says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I want to pause there because... Because there is kind of the two parts to the story. There's the what's going on in real life. And then there's the parable that follows that kind of sums up what this core teaching and this classic teaching that Jesus talks about. He's always great at just kind of putting a picture in our mind for something that is so important. Like love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, mind, and um, love your neighbor as yourself. That's obviously an important teaching. But he, he gives us a picture of that. But first, we have to look at this person. And we have to look at like who he's talking to here. He's talking to an expert. An expert in the law. An expert in, you know, the, the scriptures. An expert that, like, that, that kind of knows all of the stuff that like, we went through when we did our Exodus series during the summer. All the Ten Commandments, all the regulations, all the, all the rules could tell you about all of those things and was an expert in that. And that is significant. That's important. He knew and he was passionate about that enough to become an expert in the teachings of Scripture and the law. But, you know, he, he, there was something missing. And Jesus uh, talks about, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And he's kind of just kind of giving them this picture that it's all of it, everything, all that you have. And maybe this teacher 
uh, this expert in the law, um, was an expert with the love God with all of your mind. But maybe some of those other parts he was, he was waffling on a little bit. And so Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus, interestingly, has many, many encounters with people just like him. And uh, there's an old preacher line that Jesus came to comfort the afflicted and inflict the comfortable. And you see kind of this in this interaction here. Is that regularly Jesus is going, on to the, going to the margins and talking to and interacting with people that nobody else really interacts with. He's going to those people. And then there's kind of the experts in the law sometimes that think maybe they have it figured out. Maybe they're, they're the type of people that, you know, they're always at the, at the church, always worshiping, know it all. And he challenges them and pushes them. And on several occasions, you know, he has some pretty critical words for these people. And so, so we have to understand, this is, this is something that is a real classic Jesus moment. Where he's pushing those religious people to, to, to a little, little bit something greater. He's pushing them to say, like, you can't just rest on knowing everything. You have to be an expert actually in something else and he goes on to tell the story he says this in verse 30 in reply jesus said a man was going down from jerusalem to jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers they stripped him of his clothes beat him and went away leaving him half dead A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came by to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, uh, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, pouring on oil and wine. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So that's the story. And then he comes back to real life and looks at the, the, the person who is testing Jesus. Which of these three... Do you think was a man, a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. There's so many times in our life that maybe we understand and we know kind of that principle. Maybe we have in our mind um, captured uh, the, the, that core teaching of Jesus, love the Lord your God. But Jesus always requires and pushes for just a little bit more. When the guy asks him, who is my neighbor? This is the story that follows. And you see, you know, particularly because of who he's speaking to, why this story might have stung a little bit. It's because he says, you know, it was, you know, first it was a, it was a priest. Someone, you know, who performs some of the religious duties someone you know who's an expert in some ways 
And the priest may have been traveling to Jerusalem in this scenario to prevent, pre- present sacrifices as they did sometimes. And they would you know, get an opportunity to do that sometimes about once a year. And so if he stopped in that moment and helped the injured person on the road, he would probably be disqualified from going and offering sacrifices in the temple. Okay? So it's justifiable in some ways that he would go around and skip this person and wouldn't help the person out. Because he was going to perform service to God. He was going to perform sacrifices. In the Old Testament, there was different regulations and there was different rules that said, you know, if you, if you touch a dead body or if you do this, you are, you are not clean and somebody else has to perform these services. And so maybe he's traveling to do this, his work for God, and he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. And so maybe it's even justifiable in some ways. Maybe this expert in the law would say, well, that's why he didn't do it. Of course he didn't. And then the Levite as well, another religious leader, similarly, walks around. And then the third person is, you know, it's particularly difficult for uh, this person to hear. It's a Samaritan. A Samaritan who is not really inside the religious group of the, uh, of the Jewish people. Someone who is kind of half and half. Part Jewish, part Gentile. Someone who is not, you know, like permitted to be a part of some of the worship that they do. And he is the person who stops. He's the person that goes, and he's willing to do that. You know, if it was, you know, some kind of religious obligation that caused people to walk around the man, you know, we have to ask ourselves as if if we ever do that. Is there moments in time that we, like, we are hindered from doing the work of God because... You know what? We're caught up in our traditions, are caught up in our routines. We're caught up in trying to like do other things instead of the simple act of loving our neighbor. Is there any boundaries or any things that we've put up to prevent other people to hear just the simple truth that God loves them? And this is the constant refrain and criticism that Jesus has over and over with these people. Is that is the religious leaders of that era? Is that their minds are totally in love with God, but is their heart, is their soul, is all of their strength in love with God to the point that they're willing to stop? They're willing to go and do what this man did. You know, it's pretty interesting. Yesterday, uh, in our um, ice cream truck, you know we. We've been doing lots of things around the neighborhood, and uh, I think that you get this. Part of our Good Neighbor Project is we want to get the word out about our, ch- our church to our neighbors here and tell people, hey, there's a church right here. And, of course, we want to introduce ourselves in a way that is surprising and shows people, like, hey, these, are, these guys aren't too bad. So, um, uh, you know, it's kind of a fun way to be able to do that. I would much rather spend money on going out and doing things for our neighborhood than like, you know, spending a bunch of money on advertising and things like that. And so that's part of the Good Neighbor Project is getting out to our neighborhood and spreading the word about the church that meets right here. 
And so yesterday we were gathering together for our ice cream truck. We were decorating our little truck. We had our music ready to go, all that stuff. And we were thinking, all right, let's make sure, let's hit the neighborhood right here, Cross Creek, so that everybody here in the neighborhood, like, will get the word about, you know, Good Neighbor Project. And we can get the word out. And we'll make a ruckus and we'll play uh, ice cream music and we'll, we'll go through the streets and the kids will be cheering and everybody will say, Church the Creek is the greatest place ever. That's, that's the idea, okay? So we, we did that and we were like, let's go to Cross Creek first. We haven't hit them with very much. Let's go over to Cross Creek. And we drove over to Cross Creek and there was not a soul to be found. Okay, we're blaring the music. I'm like, I'm driving and I'm like, turn the music up louder. They're like, the music is loud. You know, we're driving through, we're driving through. And there's like every now and then there's somebody out there mowing their lawn. They kind of see us coming. They're like, mm, you know, and they're like, go away. We, we, we see somebody like uh, somebody kind of peek their, their head out the door. And then we're like, hey, come get we, did, we weren't able to get ice cream out. We got ice out. They thought we were handing out ice. But, but they just kind of shut the door. A couple other people, they're walking the dog and saw us. And they're kind of like, mm, just kind of walked a little faster. And we were like, free ice cream. And the kids are in the back just screaming. They're like, who wouldn't want free ice cream? What are you doing, people? Like a couple of the kids are getting mad about it. They're like, what is going on? Like, what is wrong with you? It is, you know, it is, it's borderline sinful to churn down free ice cream. Um, I would agree with that. But, but it was kind of like, it was like, you know, it was dead and it was totally quiet. And we're all talking about it. We're like, you know what? All the kids in this neighborhood are inside playing video games. And you know what? They've been told don't accept ice cream from strangers. So we're trying to like break all the rules of their safe neighborhood here. And uh, we're, we're messing with them a little bit. So we, we pulled out of the neighborhood and we went, you know, kind of went through a little bit, but really gave out maybe 10 ice cream cones in our first 30 or 45 minutes. And we said, we know what we need to do. We're going to, we're going to Fox Ridge. So Fox Ridge is right over here. And this is, this is, very pertinent to the sermon we're talking about is that there's two worlds and this neighborhood is truly two worlds there's some kind of upper middle class homes right here and then right on the outskirts of that there's there's a trailer park community that's not upper middle class homes and you know most of the kids a lot of them don't speak a lot of english so i was trying to figure out how do you say free ice cream in spanish um, I didn't figure that out, but the horn and the music worked perfectly. We pulled into the neighborhood, and we couldn't get into the neighborhood because we had cars stopping and people coming out. We couldn't even get into the neighborhood, barely. We had to pull over right in the entryway, and we were causing traffic jams left and right. People are like, free ice cream? you kidding me? Of course. And they're high-fiving us and saying thank you. And, like, kids were coming out. There was kids running to the... Tr- I was driving, and I was like, man, there's kids running all over the car. It was like... Uh, I was, I, I was kind of getting a little nervous. Um, Andre and Connie were kind of looking out for me. They were my uh, safety patrol. But, like, it was... We, we got rid of tons of ice cream. And ki- kids were inviting their friends and doing all this stuff. And it, it was just one of those reminders, you know, one of those reminders of kind of like, you know, maybe, 
maybe when we, we, we try to do all these different things and we're trying to, trying to reach out to our community in this way and right next door, all these people were so receptive. It, it's, it's always different than maybe you think it will be. The hearer of the story is always different than who you may think it may be. And Jesus looks at kind of the religious people, maybe the people that like you would expect to be the followers of Jesus, the people you'd expect to respond and say, look, you walked around it. And look at the person who stopped. The person who stopped was the person that most Jewish people in that time and era had a lot of racial prejudice towards and religious prejudice towards. And this is the person who stopped. And this is the person who is following my heart, following my teachings. That's the person that is doing the right thing. It's important for us, especially if we're church people that have been around a little while, to hear this classic teaching and not just let some of the little nuance and some of the details pass by. It's important for us to feel a little bit of the sting that the expert in the law felt when he heard this story the first time. When he said, like, you know, have you gotten so caught up in some of this other stuff that, like, is it possible that you'd walk around and pass? Because, because you know what? My, my teaching is very simple. And you know what to do. But will you love me with your heart, with your soul, with your strength and your mind. Because you can, you, you, you can say all the things and be an expert in all of it, but your actions really are what bear out if you're really following me with your entire heart. What do you do? How do you live? Have you been transformed? And I've been thinking regularly about this as we go around through our Good Neighbor projects. And sometimes I'll admit this is kind of how I approach these things. Sometimes this is the spirit I have and I'm working on it. Is it, is it's like almost, almost like my religious duty to do things for my neighborhood and community sometimes. It's like, I would, I really, we really should get out there and do that. And sometimes I miss just the simplicity of connecting with one person sometimes. I miss the point. And so the question that this expert in the law has to grapple with, and I think all of us have to grapple with, is what is it as Christian people, followers of the Savior, followers of Jesus Christ, what is it that we are truly experts in? What is it we're experts in? I hope that the Good Neighbor Project has spurned something within you that you could say, what I'm an expert in is I'm an expert in getting to know my neighbors. What I'm an expert in is I'm an expert in, you know, loving people that other people don't pay attention to or know. I'm an expert in and picking up on these little, maybe subtle cues from my neighbors when something's going on and something's off. And I can, I can really pray for them and I can be there for them. And I can, I can offer, you know, just... just my friendship, my relationship, and my unconditional love in this situation. That's what I'm an expert in. I'm an expert in whenever, you know, people are around. I am an expert 
in demonstrating and showing love to them in whatever way I can. That's what I'm an expert in. Instead of being an expert in so many other things. You know, I've heard that truly being like an expert in a particular field takes like 10,000 hours of practice. If you want to be an expert musician or an expert typist or an expert at whatever, it takes thousands and thousands of hours of doing that over and over. And you know what? Sometimes what we need to do is what Jesus said. He says, go and do it. Go and do it. Go and do likewise. Go and practice it. Go and like, you know, ask your neighbor what's going on. Go and just try to take one of those steps forward where I am better getting to love God and love my neighbor in very tangible, real ways. I'm just, I'm trying. There's no doubt that, you know, sometimes when you do those things, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward, it's hard. Sometimes it doesn't always work out the way that you think it's going to. But Jesus just says, just go and do it. Just do it. Just go and try. Go and when there's a need and opportunity, go and do something. Offer what you can. And then that's the person who is following Jesus' teaching and Jesus' heart. I fully believe that we should all be experts in all those areas. We should love God with every single fiber of our being. But what is overflowing in our hearts and our spirits is really critical. Kind of think about it as like a Mentos in a Coke bottle, right? Anybody ever done that experiment before? If you haven't, you know, you need to hang out at Kids at the Creek more often because we do stuff like that. But um, Mentos in a Coke bottle, it's like, you know, you, you, you put that in, there's a reaction, and what, it just kind of spews out. What Tim was talking about before is absolutely right. God promises us that when we follow Christ and put our faith in him, and if we're growing and if we're walking in his spirit, we are being filled and overcome with God's spirit. We are responsible for, you know, are we being joyful people? Are we demonstrating love? Are we falling more and more in love with the people around us? Are we, are we acting out and doing things like this more and more and more? Is this just who we are? If it's hard, if it's a struggle, what I'd say, my advice to you is just, just go and do likewise. Go and start practicing it. It's pretty interesting yesterday. I didn't know exactly how it would go as we were handing out ice cream. I, uh, I was kind of getting worried because a couple of people who I knew were, I thought were coming were like, I can't make it. I got this busy thing. And, you know, that's, that's the way it always is. It's, we're, we're, we're busy people and all that. So I didn't know exactly who we would have. We had a fantastic all-star crew yesterday handing out ice cream. And there was a couple of moments where I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is pretty cool, pretty profound. When, when kids showed up uh, in that neighborhood over there, uh, we, we showed up in that neighborhood over there at Fox Ridge, and some kids popped out, and our kids that were riding the flow were like, Hey, it's, you know, you, you, we go to school together. You live over here. I didn't know that. And there was like genuine love and affection. And we were like, people were high-fiving. They were hugging. And they were like giving each other ice cream. 
And it was just, it went beyond everything else. It was just a genuine display of love and affection for somebody else. And in that moment, that simple, simple act was an incredible, like, like act of God working in someone's life. And I was reminded that sometimes five and six-year-olds are closer to the heart of God than I am. It's very true. I know a lot more than them. Okay? I know a lot, you know? No. I, I, went, I better because I spent about $100,000 going through uh, college and graduate school for uh, uh, degrees and all of those things. But sometimes five and six-year-olds are closer to the heart of God than I am. Because they are simply going and doing likewise. And not letting anything else, any religious obligation, any other obligation in life, cloud the fact of the simple truth that God created human beings in his image and loves them unconditionally. They're the God of the universe that created all the stars in the sky, that created the whole world, came down to earth because he loves us. And the whole scripture is abundantly clear that God died for us because he loved us so much. And there's so many different messages and truths that we could espouse to our community and neighborhood, and we will. But the one thing that overwhelms all of them is the simple act of do we love our neighbor? That's where it starts. And that's the heart of God. So as a community of faith, maybe it's a classic. Maybe it's something that we preach on too much. Maybe it's, it's stuff that, uh, you know, like you've heard it before. It's my prayer for you that there's some kind of evoke. I, I hope that some emotion is evoked in your heart when you realize, like, the classic teaching of Jesus Somebody's in pain and co and help. Do likewise. That's your service to God. That's, that, that, that's real. That's loving your neighbor. And if there's anything that we're known by in our community, it's my prayer that people, at least in our neighborhood, know that we care about them and we love them. Will you pray with me? God, it's my guess that maybe we've heard this story before. But God, I just, you can't, you're not taking me away from it. You're not allowing me to escape it. And so God, I just pray that you get it through my heart and through my mind that Beyond all else, I need to completely and totally fall in love with you and my neighbor. God, with our attitude, with our spirit, with our thoughts, with our actions, with all that we have, I pray that we love you. We love you in spirit. We love you in truth. 
I pray, God, that we would know more and more about you and we're growing closer and closer to you. And God, I know that the outflow of that is we're going to make an impact on others. Because that's what you did. That we're going to go to vulnerable places. We're going to impact people who are hurting. That we're going to reach out. We're going to care. We're going to pay attention to what's going on around us. Because that's, that's what you did. So God, I pray that we're challenged by these, these words. That we would reflect on the times where maybe we were too religious, too traditional, too whatever it may be to, to get involved with other people. We just do the, the simple work of loving the people that are around us. God, right now, I know it can start with our prayers. It can start with us being open. So bring to mind those in our neighborhood and our families that maybe we need to reach out to. God, I thank you that when I was lost in my sin, you came to me. You forgave me. You've walked beside me. Help us to go and do likewise. I invite you right now just to offer your own prayers to God. As we go to our time of communion, it's really important that we we reflect and we repent of our sins. It's really important that, you know, if we have any grudge against others, we let that go. Ask for forgiveness. When we come before God, we have a heart that is open to following the heart of God. So take a moment, confess your sins to God. Open your heart. God will come in, God will fill you up, and God will give you strength beyond what you're capable of on your own. So cry out to God right now. God is here.